Generation X, Y, Z, their property appetites are all very different and how are they going to affect property prices in the future? Stay tuned. We're going to unpack the difference in the generations. Good morning. Mr. Sillage, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Mark. How are you? Good. Sillage has many powers, one of which is abstaining from stuff. He, uh, We went on a weekend away to his, his farmhouse with his old man and Michael Bubolo. Us three drunk like teenagers. And Michael <laughs> Sillage promised he wasn't going to drink to December and fulfilled his promise that was strength yes that was probably the hardest weekend not to do it so um it's good to test the um <laughs> test your resolve he babysat us that's it <laughs> all the different generations that i babysat yeah yeah you definitely did now first of all we uh, what today's going to be about is understanding the generations their differences but understanding their property appetites and how they actually their affection for property for investment property from supporting their retirement for uh living well we're going to look at all those things and then we're pulling straight back to that and what we think is going to happen with property prices as a result um of that all within five or ten minutes wow lot to cover let's go let's jump in so let's let's explain this one michael yeah so the different generations and so this is something myself i always actually got caught up on i knew all the different generations, always but i never knew which was actually which i always got confused with it um and so obviously have a read there guys of all the different i guess time frames for each generation and which one you might fall into i think majority of people watching will probably fall into the latter sort of five of them um yep but pretty much for majority of people today you got your baby boomers your gen x your millennials or gen y um and your gen z's that's who this um, really is affecting gen alpha um i don't really think it's in effect just yet a little bit too young <laughs> who comes up with these names by the way i don't know <laughs> they just stick <clears throat> now this, this is the actual makeup of these generations. So if you want to know if we're weighing it over to property and property purchases and property ownership, um, mm. this is where um, the amount of the, the amount of people are sitting in these in these price range in these um, age ranges at the moment. So there's a bucket load of I never knew they were called the silent generation. Yeah, that's probably for another topic to dig why it's called that a little bit deeper. But what's it called that for? So they've got a okay, lot of, that. So what's this graph here showing, Mark? Is this graph showing the okay. level of ownership? It's population. population. So in our population, in our generations, so if we if we talk about wealth in property and property ownership, I guess it's fairly important to consider that there's not many alphas that are going to be um, – that are around at all. So in terms of going to be property ownership, there's not going to be that many of them. But their appetite to me is very important. How these guys act in the future is going to underpin property or property could turn to crap. 
if these guys don't have an appetite for property. Uh, Generation Z, uh, that's pretty interesting. They're, they're certainly rising hard. The Millennials, how have they been purchasing Gen X? We certainly know the silent generations had a good appetite for property and even an investment property to, you know, because super wasn't around when Gen when mm. for the majority of, of silent of the silent generation's work life. So because super wasn't around, they sort of bought the investment property and stayed in the home and they were probably a bit more conservative with their spending. Yeah, and I think, and this is the thing, I guess, from all these topics, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So pretty much as the generations go on, what I've noticed is the appetite for property slowly becomes less and less or becomes different in terms of the way that people want to live. Not necessarily, everyone still needs a roof over their head, but how they put that roof over their head, whether they buy a property, whether they are renting a property, whether then they use property as a financial tool to, for their retirement um, versus maybe looking to do something else. And I think that's sort of shifted generation to generation. And is that what has pushed property prices or is it property prices going up that has pushed people to change their appetite? Now, Michael, people have definitely changed habits. Uh, people used to not want to rent a car. They used to want to own a car. Um, and what I mean by that is the car rentals where they're renting stuff permanently, electric cars, share cars. Um, what I mean by that is a, a, um, a higher purchase lease. Um, these are new things in our generation. Mums and dads used to buy a car, own it for a very, very long time, but they owned it outright. Um, so that's just a car as an example. Um, but even down to <clears throat> financial commitments on leases, um, the new generations don't mind to rent something and dispose of it quickly. The older mm. generation wanted to buy it and hold it for a long time. Yeah, it, it has changed a lot. Like you look at, um, and it's sort of, spark, sort of sparked this topic as well. You look at sort of, I guess, uh, Gen X generation, which is sort of like my parents' generation where they go, you buy a property, you buy your family home. Um, so that's 1965 to 1980. Um, you buy your family home, you pay it off, you pay off your 30 million mortgage, you live in it. Um, and that's sort of how you set yourself up financially versus I'm finding people in my generation versus people now a little bit younger than me um, are starting to go, well, look, we actually want to, maybe it's because property prices have gone up. Um, we value our lifestyle more. We'd rather go rent. We'd rather go travel um, than put ourselves into a, a 30 year mortgage. What I've also noticed is that this gen these last couple of generations coming through are more educated. They're actually higher earners than generations before. So there was a lot more in the labor force. There was a lot more lower pay. Um, now they've actually got a bit more coin to throw around, believe it or not, because they've done a degree or they've studied at college. Um, I remember with my brother and sister's years, they're in their 50s now. A lot of people left at year 10. Um, affectionately, yeah. it was called the high school dropout. Um, but probably about two thirds of the year would leave in year 10 um, and go and get a job. So it was a lower skilled and a lower paid job force in the country. Now, uh, I think a, a lot of kids um, are pre-programmed to go do a degree uh, mm. or definitely if they're not going to do a degree to go to college. So these guys are more educated. They're earning more money. Yeah. And I think there's a big shift and you sort of touched on it there. And I think the internet 
has had a massive effect on that access to information. When you think about it, someone that was born in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, where the way that they were raised and the way that they raised their kids, you only knew what your parents told you or the immediate people around you. If they said go buy a property because that's the way that you live your life, that's all you knew, that's what you did. Versus now the access people have to information, they can make up their own decisions on what they want to do. Yes, their parents might tell them something, but now we're literally exposed globally to everything going on in the world. People have all this information, they go, well, I'm going to make my own decision and go on my own path with it as well. Um, so I think that's definitely shifted a lot because you don't just do what your parents necessarily told you. Um, you go do what you think is right based off the information that you found. Um, and so more than ever before, people have literally gone on so many different paths in life versus I guess there was such a simple cookie-cutter mould um, years and years ago. Now, we all like to invest in our future, but that investment um, can be by buying a property. That investment can be buying buying stocks and shares, which is much more easier to do on your phone these days than having your own stockbroker in the 70s, um, the or 80s. Um, but also the appetite for investing in their future can be dreams and aspirations. So a lot of these, a lot of the younger generations that we've that we've brought up today, will actually travel. Um, they will seek experiences around the world before they, before, you know, our mums and dads certainly didn't hop in planes as much as we did. Um, so yes. people's experiences in, uh, are a lot, probably a lot richer when they're a lot younger. But that comes at a cost. Correct. And I think there's going to be a shift because the bottom line is, yes, people choose their appetite for owning property differently, but the bottom line is everyone still needs a, a, a roof over their heads. So that's not going to change. Everyone needs somewhere to live. And if you don't want to choose to buy a property because you would rather rent and have a different lifestyle, that means someone else has to own that property, whether it's government housing, whether it's privately owned through investors, someone has to still own that property that you're living in. And I think that's the fundamental shift here as well, where people used to buy and live in their own home versus now we've got a rent a generation that's pushing more and more towards renting. And whether that's caused because people want to make their own decisions, whether it's caused because property prices are becoming unaffordable, I don't know. But because of that shift, someone's still going to own the property. And if does it mean that there's going to push towards more and more just investors owning properties um, for people to live in because there's going to be heaps more rentals in terms of people wanting to rent and that demand's there. Um, versus people maybe not owning as much just for themselves to live in. So I think there's going to be a bit of a shift in the way that people own property. Now, so much of a shift that this phrase never existed, and it's the phrase build to rent, which we're seeing in commercial, which we're seeing with developers. So build to rent model is um, being scaled so heavily that superannuation companies have a type, have an appetite for it worldwide. So we will uh, often get American super companies that are buying something around universities or around train stations, and these guys are building. So it's now being coined um, build to rent, and it's now being coined as co-living. Um, so we certainly know what co-work environments have been the last 10 or 15 years, but now there's this co-living. And where co-living is in interesting is mum and, and dad investors used to supply the stock in the market for rentals. This is now coming 
on a massive scale from corporates. Um, if people don't know, they've just been incentivized times two with their tax. So where they used to pay 30% tax on cash they earned from rent coming in from build to rent, now they're paying 15%. So the government's yeah, wow. saying we've got to do, it's massive. It, it, it literally doubles, it, it has the capacity for what that capacity is to profits is just massive. Where that's going is these build to rent models are amazing. There's sometimes 400, 500, 800 units in the same building. They are all for rent. Nobody is an owner in the building, um, but they've got more than any other building. Interesting. I've got a, a sort of opposing view to it, and I'm sure some people out there watching might think this as well. The government incentivizing, there's two sides to every story. A, people might go, wow, the fat cat developers once again win. They're the ones that are profiting off us just trying to live. They're getting their tax incentives. It's not fair for the little guy. The developer wins. On the flip side, incentivizing the developer and allowing them to build housing like this, the extra supply of housing is what keeps renting affordability there. If these guys do not build anything or if there is no um, access to more rentals, the rental prices continue to go up because it's simple supply and demand. People are still going to need somewhere to live. And if you don't give new places, then the current places get unaffordable. Um, so I can see why this would be a very touchy topic because there's two sides to it. Um, and I can see why people on either side of the fence might get a little bit annoyed. Okay, these build-to-rent models. <clears throat> I talked... Um, another thing the government's also offered lately is an uplift in height against the zoning. Mm. So I think I think I was talking with a developer the other day. I think the uplift in the building is twenty or thirty percent more density in the building. So irrelevant to what the approvals are in the area, if it's over a seventy-five million dollar development build, um, they will allow further height um, also for, and density for this reason. So it's starting to really push. You can see the government's incentivising corporates for build to rent. And you can see the government clearly for 35 years hasn't offered one incentive for mum and dad investors to go and buy a property and put it in the rental market. So yeah. even our government is, is pushing towards that rent model um, yeah. to facilitate creation to of that. Yeah. Mum and dad investors are buying existing housing for rentals versus these guys are actually creating new housing. I think that's the fundamental difference. They want more new housing in the market. It is, but they could also say if it's if mum and dad investors, if you're buying a new property, we'll, you know, we'll give you half stamp duty if it, as long as it's an investment. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, but so, that's because mum and dad didn't make the build it. They want someone to build. The, they want someone to put the bricks and mortar together to build it. That's what I believe anyway. That's what they want. They want additional housing. Mum and dad, irregardless if they buy new or secondhand, they didn't build it. They're still just building, buying something that someone else built. Versus these, yeah, they're paying for it though. Yeah. They're the ones paying for it. It's interesting. Mm. But it is. It really in summary, is. In summary from today, Michael, I think we've all got to agree. Um, when I grew up, there was the mum and dad, 2.5 children, and a cute little, little three-bedroom house. That was the Australian dream. And how you started today off, the Australian dream has changed. It has. Which generation are you in, Mark? 
thanks for asking, Michael. <laughs> Let me remind myself, I'm I'm Generation X. Oh, you're Generation X. Yeah, and you? I'm Generation Y. I just escaped the Gen Zs. <laughs> it is. Look, I also did some research on um, how, how the generation, different generations are spending differently. Um, and um, it's very, very interesting. I think those 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 monthly costs or those those um the that one has to pay has definitely changed for different generations where you know a house used to have one telephone now it's got each each family member's got a telephone so it's got four or five telephones a house used to have one car um and now each house has uh you know potentially two three four cars uh, and a trailer so you know a lot of it's definitely changing there's a lot more costs to to the newer generations than there was to the older generations for whatever reason correct we definitely are living with a lot more luxury these days than i guess our parents and our grandparents were before well i think that luxury could be hitting the floor soon with interest rates um so it's <laughs> interesting to watch interesting to yeah. watch very good hopefully it was useful for you guys today i personally just had no idea which years were the different generations so it's good to see that and hopefully we get sort of unpacked a little bit the different spending habits and property appetites so hope you guys enjoyed it and it's happening under our nose but no one's pointing it out um yeah. so i think i think today was interesting to see up you know the property appetites pointing out the different property appetites of the different generations it's happened mm. and it's still and it's changing more and more correct thank you mark see you later see you guys, see you guys. have a great day